I don't know if any of you saw it, but early this morning, fall had summer in a chokehold, and I think that summer officially tapped out this morning, brother. It was cold today. And for those of you that enjoy the fall, uh, that is usually for a couple of reasons. For those of you guys, uh, you now have official permission to grow out your beard, all right? You don't have to wait till no shave November, and also hunting season is in the air. Can I get an amen? It's Marky Mount Baptist Church, Franklin County. Y'all all right? Some are just like, whenever hunting season comes around, he's just not here. Well, just, just pray for him that he'll meet Jesus out in the woods. We're going through this series through the eyes of Jesus. In other words, what would, what conclusions would we come to about relationships? What would we think about finances? What conclusions will we come to about really the purpose of life at all if we were able to, if we could just use our imagination, if we could just get the lenses through which Jesus sees the world and put those lenses on our eyes, what conclusions will we come to if we saw the world as Jesus saw it? Well, there's good news because the Bible is God's word to us. It is God's word. It is without error. It is absolutely true in every matter that it speaks to. And so we can come with confidence, especially to Matthew chapter 5. It is the beginning to the Sermon on the Mount, which is the greatest sermon that ever was preached. And we began a few weeks ago looking at what have become known as the Beatitudes there in verse number 2. And the Beatitudes have to do with these, with these qualities that Jesus say must be in our lives if we are to enter into his kingdom. And let me just put that, put it in the vernacular. This is what must be evident in a life that has been saved from hell. Now in our culture, we don't like to talk a lot about hell, do we? Usually you don't start off a conversation with, hi, my name is Jeff. Would you like to talk about hell? We don't do that. It's an uncomfortable topic even in church. But Jesus begins in Matthew chapter 5 to lay out this blueprint for his kingdom. Now, it wasn't an actual physical kingdom because when he was talking to uh, Pontius Pilate, Pilate said, you know, they say that you're a king. And Jesus says, well, my kingdom is not of this world because if it were, my servants would fight. So any person that is waging war in the name of Jesus is absolutely incorrect. A lot of times we as Christians get lumped in with other groups around the world today who use violence to advocate their so-called religious beliefs. But Jesus is talking about a kingdom that will come one day when He returns and all of this will be changed. Jesus will right all the wrongs. He will correct everything that needs to be corrected. But until then... We can still have a part of the kingdom. It is the kingdom of God that comes and lives inside of us. And so notice how Jesus begins in verse number 6 of chapter 5. The Bible says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled or they shall be satisfied. Blessed. It means to be favored by God. And we could talk all week long about what that means, but it means that God's hand of favor is upon you. And I know all of us want to be blessed by God. Amen? Even you say, well, Jeff, I don't even know if a lot of this is true. I don't know where I stand with God. But I'll tell you this, I sure don't want God against me. I do know that much. 
The Bible here is not talking about a circumstantial happiness. It's not talking about us having necessarily a good job or enough money or a problem-free marriage. And from what I have been told, anyone who tells you that their marriage is problem-free, they, they lie about other things too, right? I mean, it's not saying that we're supposed to surround ourselves with this, with, with this collection of good circumstances so that we can live your best life now. But what it means is to be favored by God and what we're going to talk about today about righteousness, to be in a right standing with God. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down this, this simple text in the Old Testament. It's Job chapter 1 and verse, Job chapter 9 rather in verse 1. And the Bible says, how can a man be in the right before God? This comes from the lips of Job, the man who suffered so much, the man who suffered all of his children being killed, all of his banks, bank accounts just emptied in a day. And the only thing that was left was his wife. And she was so depressed and so heartbroken that she told Job, just curse God and die. But even in the midst of his suffering, the question rises out of the ashes, what must I do to be right with God? And regardless of what you think that you need today, your ultimate main need is that you are in a right relationship with God. Jesus says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but yet he loses his own soul? Now, I've talked to a lot of people in my ministry and and being able to to, to just see, you know, where are you? And most people, they think their problem is getting a job that pays the bills. That's not, the, that's not the main issue. For some people, it's having a good family life. That's not the main issue. For some people, they say, Jeff, I struggle with these health needs. I need God to give me healing. That's not the main issue. Because if all of those things go well, but we stand before God one day, and He says, depart from me, you worker of self-will or lawlessness, I never knew you, what good does anything else do? And have you noticed that in our lives, how much our passions change? When you're a little kid, you're passionate about cartoons. You're passionate about being able to go to an amusement park. Then when you get to be a teenager, you're passionate about getting that set of keys, right? Y'all remember that? How it was a big deal to actually have a set of keys. And us students are like, dude, I'm almost there, Jeff. I'm almost there. But to have a set of keys and to get in your mom's van and go pick up your friends to go to Dairy Queen and turn on your music like, what's up? Who's driving mom's van? This guy, you know. And we think we're so cool. And everybody else just looks and says they have so much to learn. Now you're like, man, I I have a car, but I gotta pay for gas. It's like $19 a gallon to put in it. I gotta pay for insurance. I've got to pay. I mean, it's just like those things that used to be of such value to us. The older you get, you see those things as just, frankly, burdens. And then when you get married, the goal is to provide enough for the family. And then once you go further in life, then the goal is, is, is to get to the point to where people say, I want to retire. And then when people retire, they're involved in, in certain things, hobbies, recreation. I pray that when you hit retirement age, if you haven't already hit that, or if you're in there, that you would use your, your retirement to serve God with the time that you didn't used to have. Y'all Okay. That, that, that you really get something out of your retirement. That the trips that you go on, it's not just a trip to see dead leaves fall. Wow. 
It's, to, it's beautiful, but the thing is, you do those things so you can be a representative of Jesus Christ so that people can come into a right relationship with Him. So it's not just a retirement about me, and it's not just you working your job for me, but it's for something that lasts beyond you and I, you see. And that's what Jesus is getting at here when He says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, this is a Baptist church, and... Um, I know one thing, if I don't know anything, and that Baptists are renowned for their love of food. And this afternoon, at the cookout, we're going to have what? Food. Very specific. Thank you, Jason. Hot dogs. You know, it's something that we as people, something that we as people, it's something we don't take, we, we, we take it for granted. For example, if you and I could take a little survey of ancient cultures and for those of you that enjoy military history, one of the most effective ways to take over a city is to deprive them of food and of water. There were sieges that happened in the Bible to where even, even just a small bird went for an exorbitant amount because you have to have food and water. You take the toughest man in this room, you don't give him water, for two days, three days, see how tough he is then. We are absolutely dependent upon food and water to stay alive, but Jesus gives a different twist. He said, blessed are you, favored are you of God when you don't just hunger and thirst after what you need to survive physically, but to where the all-consuming passion of your life is for knowing God. That's the title of our message today, Desiring God. If you're looking for something good to read, a good Christian book, I encourage you. You can actually get it for free on a PDF download on the internet from John Piper. And the title of the book is Desiring God. Do we truly desire Him in our lives? So here's a few questions about righteousness. Because unless you watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, you don't normally use the word righteous in everyday conversation. The question, what is righteousness? Number one, righteousness is to be in a right standing or a right relationship with God. Number two, this right relationship with God comes by His grace, something that we need, that we can't ever earn or deserve, that we receive through faith. Everybody got it? We have to be in a right relationship with God, but we can't get there on our own. And this is usually the stumbling block that happens for most people today in America. We say, Jeff, I don't want to take handouts. Guess what? If you're ever going to get saved, you're going to have to kneel your heart and humility and say, God, there's nothing that I could ever do to be good enough to have a relationship with you. I have to admit that I don't have what it takes. I have to say those two terrible words in American vernacular, I can't. I can't save myself. But the beautiful news of the gospel is that's exactly why Jesus came. He came for the glory of God. And the result of that is so that we could receive something that we could never earn and never Deserve. Let me give you a statement that's in your worship guide, your, your notes. This is from J.I. Packer. It's a little, little weighty, but I just want to walk through it on what righteousness is. He says, and I quote, Whereas forgiveness is the negative side of salvation, 
Justification is the positive side. To justify is to declare righteous the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. It is a forensic legal act of God whereby whereby He declares the believing sinner, that's you and I, righteous on the basis of the blood of Christ. In other words, we get, through Jesus, what we could never get outside of Jesus. And what we need only comes through Jesus. But you say, Jeff, how do I get what I need? You have to go through Jesus. How do you go through Jesus? It once again comes to that difficult step that we have to take to say that I can't right the wrongs of my past. Now, every single one of us in here has mistakes, don't we? Probably financial mistakes, relational mistakes, mistakes in the area of biblical morality, mistakes in the, in the area of what we should have said to someone, but instead we reacted out of anger. All of those things, we say, if I could do it over again, I would not have done that. But you know where Satan hangs up a lot of people today? He'll say, go ahead and read that verse. Blessed are those who hungered and thirst for righteousness, for they should be filled. Guess what? You're on the right track. You're in church. You, you, no, no joke. It's all those other suckers. That I saw, you saw it too. You saw it too. That's right. That car was dead in the driveway when you were going to church. So good job. Pat on the back. You beat them. You see, those pagans and those heathens, they're still sleeping. And you're, you're in church. Santa Jeff, I'm here to learn. Praise God. I'm here to try to find out how I can have a relationship with God. Praise God. But be very, very careful because Satan could come into your heart and say, you know what, because you've been doing better, if you just keep doing better and keep doing better, you'll get to where you need to be. And when you get to where you need to be, everything will be okay. Well, guess what? It's not just that we're down in the pit of sin. It's that we are a dead man at the bottom of the ocean and we need the God to come down and make us alive. Amen, church? It's not about us trying to do better. Righteousness is to be in a right relationship with God. And that comes only through Jesus Christ. Let me give you a statement by Adrian Rogers. He said, quote, The worst form of human badness may be human goodness. When that human goodness becomes a substitute for the new birth. Let me give you a passage in the Bible. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Jesus The situation is that he is giving a parable to those who trusted in themselves. And the Bible says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they treated others with contempt. All of us have to come back to that place to say, God, without you, I would be nothing. Just like the old song. You say, Jeff, all right, so we understand that righteousness is to be in a right relationship with God, and I can't get there by being a good person. Are you really sure? I mean, but Jeff, you you don't need an understanding. I'm better than a lot of other people. Guess what? You may have lived a very moral life compared to some people, but that's not the right standard. Wouldn't it be sad to end up on the day of judgment and say, God, I, 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 I was a good person? You don't understand. I wasn't like them. Only to realize the standard of judgment was not me compared to them, but me compared to Him. Right? So don't be distracted by the people whose marriages are going worse than yours. Don't be, don't be, let your vision be clouded by those people that were not willing to give forgiveness to someone in your life. 
It's not comparing ourselves to other people. The only standard that matters is Jesus, and that standard is perfect. You say, Jeff, okay, so I get that. I get that. I can't earn my way to heaven. I can't be a good enough person. And in fact, if the thought comes into your mind to say, well, I I, I probably entered through those pearly gates just like those old jokes, and a lot of them were so theologically jacked up, you know. Like Peter comes out basically like a guy at a casino, you know, like, well, you know, where's your gold? Stuff like that. Just a lot of those jokes, you can laugh at them, but they're, they're, they're off base, all right? Y'all okay? I just want, I know you're like, dude, you just ruined my whole joke collection. Sorry. But we have to understand that when we, when we, Relate to God it has to be through His standard, and that's only through Jesus, who is perfect. So, what does it actually mean to hunger and thirst after righteousness? In your notes, it means desiring to know God, to love Him, and to make Him known to others, and obediently follow Him with every fiber of your being. My little one-year-old nephew uh, was doing a little show for us the other day, and Cassidy sent us the video on, on the iPhone, and he was, he was, he was doing this. I'm gonna to try to do my best imitation. Be, 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 be. And she said, he, we watched Duck Dynasty. He's doing Phil Robertson at one years old. Happy, 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 happy. And she's like, this is gonna be great. You know, we're gonna have our little redneck child. It was awesome. I watched that video. Be, be, be. And he was doing that. But then later, she said, I just picked him up from, from nursery at church and I was wrong about the happy, happy, happy. I was wrong about that. What they were doing and the little kids is teaching them the old school song that some of you may know. The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stand alone in the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. And they kept on going B-I-B-L-E. And he wasn't trying to be Duck Dynasty mini-man. He was just trying to say the B-I-B-L-E, but he got about 40% of it right. B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I. That, that was awesome. At one years old, he's trying to sing the song. And you say, Jeff, man, I, okay, here's the thing. I want to hunger. I want, I know that I should have God as first place in my life. I want my kids, even if they can't say the B-I-B-L-E, to be a B-I-B-I-B. Even if they just get that much, I want that for my kids. I want that for my friends. But, but Jeff, how do I get to the point to where I truly begin to hunger and thirst after righteousness? Well, we've got to address it that a lot of us have eaten the cookies before dinner. Remember when you're growing up, that cookie jar, that pack of Oreos, that big old thing of candy, and your mom said, don't eat candy before you eat because some of y'all are going back, you're like, dude, I totally own that cookie jar. Like they never knew it was me. All right? And so you, your mom would say, don't go eat the cake. Don't go eat this before dinner because if you do, you will what? You ruin your appetite. You'll put in your body what your body doesn't need and there won't be room and there won't be an appetite for what you truly need. And I think for some of us, the reason why we don't hunger and thirst after righteousness as we should, the reason why some of us turn to God's Word like we're going to eat a pile of livers unless you enjoy livers, God bless you. 
Unless you're, you're going to do something like that where it's just like, oh man, I, or, or l- l- let's get a little bit more normal illustration. Eating your greens, if you don't like that stuff, you say, I know I need this stuff, but it's just, it's hard to get down. Well, you say, Jeff, I want to be to the point where I desire God's Word. I desire Him. If the Bible says more than my necessary food, the book of Job, to where I desire Him and who He is, to know Jesus Christ. In his suffering, but also in the power of of his resurrection. Jeff, how do I get to that point? Let me give you a few passages in the Bible that you can write down. Number one is 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 2. The Bible says, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted the Lord is good. So the Bible says that we should be around those things and desire the things of God. John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. The Bible says, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, Time out. This is a feast. Jesus is a Jew. And notice what He does when He stands in a crowd of people and declares this message. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to Me and drink. He who believes in Me, as the Scripture says, for from his innermost being or from his heart will flow rivers of living water. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 24 says, And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And one of the greatest texts in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come by and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money? Money symbolizing your life. Think about this. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen to me diligently and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Verse 6, here's, here's the point. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the righteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. What a great text, church. The Bible is telling us, this is God speaking to His people. Some of you have spent your lives on that which does not satisfy. If we could peel back the layers of our hearts this morning, we could say for some of you, you say, Jeff, I am so utterly dissatisfied with life. It seems like the things that I have tried to get to fulfill meaning in my heart, those things have not worked. Instead, what they've led to is brokenness and disillusion. The Bible says, come. Even if you have no ability to come to God on your own, which that's all of us. If you don't have money, if you don't have righteousness, if you don't have goodness, if you don't have faithfulness, if you don't have any of these things that God requires, come because He's the one who is able to give it to you. I praise God that He still saves sinners. And it's 2013. And in the church in the U.S. of A, there's still people that believe that everybody is born into sin, but Jesus came and He knew no sin. He was tempted and He was tried. And He offers salvation to anyone who would believe. 
You're sitting there and you say, Jeff, I understand that righteousness is a right relationship with God. God has done something within my heart. I have a, a desire for Him that I haven't had before. Well, brother and sister, strike while the iron is hot. Because the Bible says here in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 6, Seek the Lord while He may be found. In all honesty, that's kind of a scary verse. Because the point is that there may be a point to where God pulls back. He says, I've given you time after time after time to come to me and repent of your sins and receive me as your Lord and Savior. But you rejected and you rejected and you rejected. I'm not go- In other words, if you want your heart to be hardened against me, I'm going to leave you as you are. But the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 15 that Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the one who comes after the lost sheep and he finds it. And he lays it, on it, lays it on his shoulders and brings it home rejoicing. You say, Jeff, I'm a lost sheep. I've, I know about religions. I know about Jesus. I maybe have read my Bible, but I know deep down in my heart and my life does not give evidence that I've been truly changed. Sure, I could give you answers. I could give you facts about the Bible. But there's never been a point in my life to where it's been radically turned around, to where I can look and I can see that once I was lost, but now I am found. You see, Jeff, my at the appetite of my life, I have gone into the high sugar stuff of all of these things that don't satisfy, and I know that I need Jesus. It's kind of like, if you can imagine with me, if we were out on a sailboat and we were trying to sail across the ocean from point A to point B. And we happened to run out of water on the boat. And we were thirsting to death. And we said, we need water. We need water to survive. But we were barely able to whisper that because our throats were so parched. But then we look all around the boat and there's water everywhere. But we can't drink it because it's not pure. And that's how so many people are today. And those of you that are saved, please hear my heart this morning. This is, this is God's, this is God's word, His heart for the nations. People are adrift on a hopeless sea of existence. They have tried all of these things. They've tried the water. They've tried this. They are absolutely without hope. But praise God, there was one day to where somebody was at Rocky Mount Baptist Church. And they knew that they had had a past. They knew that they had things that they were ashamed of. But they heard the gospel. The gospel is that you can't get to God on your own. You can't create your own righteousness. And they realized the amazing love of Jesus Christ. Amazing grace. How can it be? How can it be that, that someone like you would die for me? And they got saved at Rocky Mount Baptist Church. Not to the glory of the church or the band, or the choir, or the pastor, or the deacons, but to the glory of God. And they went out on a mission just like the Coast Guard to find that person, the people that all of us know, the multiple people that all of us know, and they are without hope. You know it. You can tell by the language that they use. I mean, they could teach a Ph.D. course on profanity to a bunch of sailors. This object of their conversation is things that have no hope. But Jesus has put a light inside your heart and you say, if God gives me the strength, I will see my friend come to faith in Jesus Christ. But what can happen in the, in the church of God is to where we say, well, that's, that's good. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. But do you realize 
that sometimes that we can be distracted. Y'all okay? We can be distracted by good things and be distracted from the best thing, which is seeing people come to faith in Jesus. If you come to faith in Jesus today, God can use you as the rescuer for those that are without righteousness and those who, if they face God right now, would suffer a Christless eternity in hell. But God, Ephesians chapter 2, but God who is rich in mercy, but God who is rich in mercy made you alive who are in Christ Jesus. You say, Jeff, all right. So I know that righteousness is a right relationship with God and a hunger and thirst after righteousness, but what does it mean to be filled? What does it mean that they shall be filled? In fact, that's a promise in God's Word right here. It means that the deepest desires of your heart, the things that you don't even know that you desire right now, He will meet those. Number one, your your deepest desires will be met because you know that your sins have been forgiven. Amen, church? I mean, do you remember that time to where you were so guilty? It felt like the weight of the world was pressing on your shoulders. You didn't know what to do. You didn't know where to turn. But then Jesus passed by. He passed by through a friend telling you about Him. He passed by through a Billy Graham message on TV. He passed by when you came to church and heard the gospel and you got saved. And if you've ever read that great book, Pilgrim's Progress, it's an allegory of the Christian life. He's carrying this huge burden. But when He comes to Calvary, the cross is there. And Jesus is no longer on it. He bows down and He kneels. And that burden rolls away. Praise God. You know that your sins have been forgiven. But not only that, you know that your identity is as an ambassador of Christ. Write down this text. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. The Bible tells us that we are ambassadors of God. That means it doesn't matter what occupation you have. You can win people to Jesus Christ through who you are. You say, Jeff, man, I'm not, a, I'm not a talker. I'm not an up and front type of person. Well, praise God because God can use your quietness and your humility and your softness to break down the walls of people that may be turned off by a talker. You're an ambassador of Christ. For you men, that means that you're no longer defined by how much you can make, what you can do, what you can earn. It means that even if all of that is taken away and we're simply a vegetable on a hospital bed, we are something in Jesus Christ. We are an ambassador of Him. So where our sins have been forgiven, we hunger and thirst for more of Jesus. And not only that, He's given us a job to be an ambassador. And not only that, we now know why we're here. Ecclesiastes Chapter 12 and verse 13 says, When all has been settled, when the matter has been heard, the whole duty of man is to fear God and to keep His commandments. Realize that the point of your life is to bring glory to Him. The reason why He created you. And let me go a step further. The reason why He allowed you to go through those brutal things that you have in your life that were not of your own invention or your own making or ultimately your own fault. It just happened. God is so powerful that He tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that all things, good things, bad things, sickness, divorce, backstabbing, job loss, all of it, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Say, Jeff, so many things have happened to me, I don't even know what God could do in my life. When you pick this Bible up and you read it, you do not find what some people think Christians really are. you realize that God picked a murderer to write most of the New Testament? Do you realize that the one that he also used to write some of the New Testament, Peter, tried 
to murder a man. You realize that Moses was a murderer in the Old Testament. You realize that there are people who were unfaithful to one another. And Paul, writing in the Corinthian church, he gives this long list like sorcerers, idolaters, thieves, liars. And he says, as such were some of you. But then Jesus showed up. And then it's all brand new. And if you have a past, guess who else has a past? A million other people out there. And they are looking to say, can God change me? Can God do something in my life? And if you humble yourself before the Lord and receive His righteousness and His perfection, you will not only receive His salvation, but you will be a hope to other people because people will say, you know what? I am empty. And I don't know if people like me can be filled. But I know a guy. I know a girl. And they were like me. And then Jesus showed up and changed everything. And the most important thing is that they know where they're going when they die. First John chapter 5, verse 13, the Bible says, These things I have written to you that believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may, help me out church, know that you have everlasting life. We have this, this pitcher full of water in this cup that doesn't have any. And if we could look at ourselves as God sees us in terms of righteousness, He has more than enough, but we have nothing. We hold up the cup of our life, and some of you may still think even after this message, you know what, I'm okay. No, you're not. Compared to God, you're not a good person. And in fact, the number one thing that distanced people from Jesus in his ministry was self-righteousness. I struggle with pride. It's the hydra of ancient mythology that when you chop a head off, seven more grow. But by the grace of God, he will give us humility. But this is us. Some of you may lack confidence. You say, Jeff, if I receive his filling, if I receive his salvation and his righteousness, I don't know if I could do much for the Lord. Well, he tells us that, sure, our strength is limited, but his is not. I can do all things who gives through Christ who gives me strength. And some of us say, but Jeff, I, I don't think... I, I don't think I could live the Christian life if I, if I got saved. Good job. You're there. That's it. You can't. I can't. We can't get saved on our own. It's an act of God, His mercy, His regeneration, what He makes us brand new from the inside out. But staying saved, which we can never go back to being lost, all right? Because it's something that He's done. His grace is more than sufficient. You see, Jeff, I can't live the Christian life. Exactly. That's because His grace is poured into your life. There's a very familiar passage. Some of us, it's Psalm chapter 23. And the Bible says in verse 5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of of the Lord forever. Telling you, when you go through sickness, God's grace is there. It's enough. When you have marriage problems, God's grace is enough. And guess what? It can go over and over and over and overflow. And don't worry, the electronics are on the other side. So if we spill, we're good. And it goes over and over again. God's grace and His righteousness is more than enough. But what do we have to do to receive that? To realize that there's nothing that we have that deserves it. Such a hard road to come to, but it is necessary to be saved. I can't be good enough.
but then you shall be filled. You shall be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit of God, and He will give you more than enough strength to be His ambassador wherever He may send you in this world.